Hi, I'm Mark Rodman. Coming up on Front Row, sex traffickers target women and children fleeing Ukraine. North Carolina lands its first automaker, and the FDA approves a second COVID booster for adults over 50. Next. Major funding for Front Row was provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by. Funding for the lightning round provided by Body Knoll Foundation, NC Realtors, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, and Helen Lockery. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row. Welcome back. Join in the conversation. Donna King with Carolina Journal. Broadcast journalist Jonah Kaplan, Republican State Senator Vicki Sawyer, and Nelson Dollar, Senior Advisor to North Carolina Speaker of the House. Donna, why don't we begin with yet another disturbing story coming out of Ukraine? It really, it just doesn't seem to be ending. Uh, and this one, unfortunately, comes as very little surprise. More than uh, three million uh, people have fled Ukraine into neighboring countries, Poland and others, over the last month or so. Uh, among them, 500 unaccompanied children. And it's re- they've really become targets for human trafficking and for, uh, you know, human slavery and, and all of these other problems that are happening. There's a lot of problems with uh, gangs. And, and sex traffickers targeting these women and children who are in desperate straits. Uh, UNICEF said that they're having a problem with identifying some of the people who are showing up in their private cars, volunteering to take people home. And a lot of these people are just desperate. They're women with children. They have nowhere to go and they're getting in cars and they don't know what's happening to them. Uh, UNICEF says that they anticipate uh, increase in this happening. And they're seeing a lot of them are showing up with, you know, glow vests as though they're volunteers and just absconding with people. And I think we're going to hear some really, really disturbing stories coming as this continues. Uh, one of the problems that they've had is that these women are just just becoming targets. And this was already a problem in Ukraine before this happened, before this war, and it's accelerating in the chaos. Joni, you have the floor. This story is not going to end when the war ends. I mean, we know that First of all, if you look back at any European war, they don't just last months, they last years and the ramifications of that. And when we think about open borders, too, I mean, the European Union, this is an issue that has long plagued the Union because once many uh, refugees or immigrants, no matter why they were fleeing, they were able to move in many different places within Europe. And that creates issues related to jobs. It creates issues related to housing. And eventually this is going to make its way to the United States as well. And this was the warning, I think, at the start of the war was the immigration crisis and the and the refugees because it becomes a human toll, not just the death, but it's not like they can go back to Mariupol. It's not like they can go back to Lviv when, if, if God forbid, it's destroyed. Where do these people go? This is a nation of 44 million people. They're going to have to be absorbed somewhere. And Europe, America, the Western world, are we going to absorb these people? And what does that mean when there's also a whole nother immigration crisis on the southern border with Title 42 about to be repealed? No, so we also have a problem right here in North Carolina with sex trafficking. 
Absolutely, and that's the unfortunate thing. Human trafficking is a problem here. The General Assembly 10 years ago created the North Carolina Human Trafficking Commission. Since that time, we have actually passed 14 bills to provide better legal protections, as well as a full range of services for the victims of human and sex trafficking, uh, especially the children. And of course, we've also increased punishments uh, for those that engage in what, is, what amounts to really modern day slave trade. Uh, the budget that we just passed had $8.8 million in grant funding for a range of nonprofits around the state to continue to provide additional services for right. the victims of human trafficking. And of course, uh, Chief Justice Newby in January declared that month Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Vicki, jump in here. Well, really concerning is I heard a story come out of a mother who got her son out of Ukraine. She had 400 Ukrainian hrivnia in her pocket. She went to go get that exchanged. What she came back with was $12.22. Compounding that problem was that she could not get money out of her bank account. Although the bank had the same name as her uh, one in Ukraine, it actually did not communicate with them, so therefore she was penniless, or at least $12.22 in her pocket. Don't wrap this up in about 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, that's devastating. That's a great example. We don't know what the unintended consequences sometimes of our foreign policy uh, for things like this, and and being a place where uh, we can provide a lot of our, our a lot of our nonprofit groups like UNICEF and supporting them in their effort to get people into safe accommodations and and safe care. Uh, that's an important part of who we are as Americans. Let's change topics. Some good news for a change. Big job win for North Carolina this week. After decades of trying, we finally landed a car company. So VinFast, which is uh, Vietnam's first global venture into electric uh, automobile manufacturing, will build a $4 billion plant on 2,100 2, acres in Chatham County. That's just north of uh, Sanford. The initial plans call for 7,000 workers producing 200,000 uh, SUVs annually, including uh, EV battery manufacturing. The state and county are investing $1.25 billion in roads, water and sewer, job credits, um, when the jobs are actually created. Uh, North Carolina, a lot of people don't know, is already one of the largest producers of vehicle parts and materials for cars and trucks. This plant will attract more suppliers, more jobs, in addition to the ones working in the plant. And interesting thing, the Vietnamese ambassador to the U.S. and their, and their ambassador to the U.N. were here for the, their country's biggest investment venture in a plant only 30 minutes north of Fort Bragg. So there's some possible sense of healing going on. Vicki, you were out there. I was out there and I was excited to see the energy around it. But, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer on this, <laughs> you know, as someone who has an appropriations pen for the North Carolina Department of Transportation, who's really been beleaguered and struggling since 2017, especially with their current plan, some predicting being $11 billion, you know, underfunded, you know, you're looking at a 250 to $450 million price tag on this and you wonder where's the money coming from. So I'm grateful, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I do really have have concerns about where the money's coming from. Are incentives now just built into every package? Is it pro forma, Donna? It appears to be. I mean, we're talking about by the by the time it all shakes out, it's about one one point two billion dollars. Seven over seven hundred million of it is coming in reimbursable uh, tax credits once they start hitting those hiring numbers. But the big thing is, is North Carolina is a fantastic place to come and start a business and bring a plant because in the last budget that was just signed, we're going to start phasing out that corporate tax. So that thirty. 
32-year window where they're going to get $1.2 billion is going to be spent by the state for this. In much of that, they may not pay corporate income tax. And that's something to really think about. You know, half a million or uh, $450 million is going to be in infrastructure. There's a lot of price tags associated with this. And California paid them $20 million for their headquarters. Jonah. Last time I checked, you go to almost anywhere, it says help wanted. So the key really is about filling those jobs. And especially as we look to folks in high school, folks in college, are they going into the trades? Are they going to become manufacturers, masons, electricians, plumbers, and now car mechanics? So it's wonderful to keep bringing these employers. But one thing I remember talking with Governor Cooper, he says, what keeps me up at night is we got all these employers coming. We've got to be able to feed them with our talented pools coming from our universities. So my question, I guess my challenge to lawmakers is, what kind of partnerships can you incentivize and create between these manufacturers, these big companies, whether they're in tech or manufacturing, whatever, and partner with the high schools, partner with the colleges and the community colleges to generate interest in these and not just the big tech companies. And folks are going to need affordable housing, aren't they, Vicki? Yeah, so we're already looking at a housing, I guess some people say crisis, but as you had mentioned before, Mark, the interest rates are going up, the supply is down, so we do have some issues facing us about how and where are these people going to live. To your point about community college, though, they were there and present at that um, announcement, and they are really excited about gearing their um, education towards filling those jobs. You know, I know back in my own, I'm going to brag about Surrey Community College. They do a great job with their truck driving school, and they've just recently placed 80 to 100 high school students in manufacturing and other types of work so they can have an internship for meaningful work. Okay, I'm coming right back to you. The FDA yes. just approved uh, another booster for adults over 50. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about it. Well, if you're over 50 and you have certain kinds of uh, conditions, the FDA and now the CDC recommends and says that if it's been four months since your last booster shot, regardless of which one it was, you can have a Pfizer and Moderna uh, shot. Now, like anything with COVID, it seems like there's point and a counterpoint. So let's go to this counterpoint. Some people look at those uh, research coming out of Israel saying that really it did not affect those over 60 who had this additional booster shot. There wasn't a decrease in hospitalizations or disease spread or deaths. They also worry about how long the actual effects of this final booster shot is. Again, the counterpoint to that is it can't hurt. So we'll see how it works out and hopefully um, folks will have choices to do what they want to if you're over 50 and you want that shot. Don, I see Fauci's talking about lockdowns maybe in the future again. I think so, but I think also uh, we're, you think know. the American people put up with that? I think, they're, I think they're tired of it. And I think we're two years in, almost three years into this, and I'm not sure how much uh, weight that, that opinion on MSNBC or CNN might might be, because I'm not sure people are listening as much as they used to. And with this new booster, a lot of folks are saying that uh, the existing vaccines that we have are quite effective. And unless you do have some of these extenuating circumstances, medical problems, or you're uh, over 70, 75, uh, another booster may not really, uh, may not may not be additional protection. And we're not going to be able to booster ourselves out of this necessarily. It's really about getting a global vaccination and, and tamping it down that way because this new BA2 variant, it, their finding is really not as uh, injurious as not creating the hospitalization rates that they were concerned it would. Jonah, where are we on cases in North Carolina now? I think it's a tough answer, a tough question to answer because not as many people are now going to get tested. So the cases are down, but the president and the administration had sent out a lot of home tests. Uh, Wake County, I know, has closed a lot of their testing centers and switched several months ago from anybody can drive up to get a test to you have to make an appointment. So cases are down. Hospitalizations are 
also down, and I think we're in very low transmission. I know that because my daughter's preschool finally got rid of the masks for the four-year-olds and the five-year-olds. Don't even get me started on that. But I, I think, and this may come as a shock to everyone at this table, the White House has a messaging problem. And the expectation of these vaccines cannot be about transmission. It can't be about they reduce transmission. You're not going to get sick. No, it's going to keep you out of the hospital. It's going to keep you out of. It's going to keep you alive. You have the therapeutics. And you have the therapeutics. We know a lot more now than we knew then. We know a lot more about obesity and what that leads to, and how many Americans were just inherently unhealthy because we're not eating the right things, we're not exercising. That's why we're having so much more trouble than some of these other nations. So all of this plays a part not just vaccines. Nelson, the president wants more money for COVID relief. He wants more money and he wants to focus more shots uh, here in the United States. And that creates a problem globally, because right now globally, statistically 65% of the globe has had at least one shot. That's 5 billion people. But 1.25 billion of that are Chinese and they were given an ineffective vaccine like Sinovac. So what you really are looking at worldwide is only roughly 50% of the world's population that's been vaccinated with a formula that actually works. So these new strains are gonna continue to circle the globe. Uh, We're gonna have, what we need to have is to set a priority for more shots around the world. That needs to be one of our focus. And as you said, Mark, we need to continue to speed up the FDA's approval of antiviral pills like Pfizer's uh, Palaxavid and other um, treatments like that. They never really talk about therapeutics, though, do they? No, they haven't focused on that, and that's where we really need to focus on you, because again, basically half the world's population is effectively not vaccinated. When you look at what's happening in China with the lockdowns, with the COVID zero, because they have no effective vaccine there, uh, antivirals are, are gonna be key worldwide to eventually getting ahead of this pandemic and getting beyond it. And in terms of personal boosters, I just recommend Everybody, consult your physician. Okay, we're going to move on. I want to talk to Jonah about some recent poll numbers with the president and the economy, my friend. Well, let's just go back to what I mentioned about messaging, because politics is about perception. And two things can be true at the same time. Wages for low-income workers are up. Unemployment, historic right now, around 4%. That's wonderful news. Actually, 3.7 today. 3.7. That's wonderful news. Keep you up to date. On the other hand, inflation... Gas prices, the outlook, the economic outlook, could things change in the future? Not so good right now. And that's where the White House is missing their opportunity and why the perception now, and polls now coming out, a new ABC News poll and with AP, 70% of Americans are saying that the Biden administration is mishandling the economy. And this is when a majority of Americans also do not blame President Biden for high gas prices because they understand what's going on in Ukraine and the connections there. But when you have higher wages and when you have low unemployment, it still can't make up for the fact if you're spending a lot more money on things that you need every single day in your life for your family. Donna, this, this election, I think, is going to come down to groceries and gas. I totally agree. I think that one of the things that uh, Bloomberg did a story uh, this week that said that the average family needs to factor in about $5,200 more this year for their basic expenses. And that is a lot of money. It means inflation, as always, hits the poor the hardest. Uh, it, it, inflation is a tax on the poor. There's no 
way around that. And $5,000 is a lot to any family, particularly those who are struggling. Um, and I think that the messaging, what Jenna's saying is correct. Messaging uh, is a problem because some of it is that I'm seeing a lot of the White House comments focusing on uh, Russia and Ukraine being responsible for gas prices. The, cutting off Russia gas and oil, uh, that doesn't really take effect until mid-May or June. So what you're seeing right now at the pump has absolutely nothing to do with Ukraine and Russia. It's all about policy. Because when he said that, he said you you can keep the contracts you have right now, but you can't do any more contracts. And and so that those really don't take effect till May or June. So we're going to see a spike even past that once that happens, because we get about 8% or so from that area. And that's getting ready to go away. No, so a lot of this comes down to the president's energy policy, doesn't it? He doubled down yesterday on green energy. and. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think he did. I mean, we're in a global transition. And before the pandemic, before the war, Biden had certainly had a lot to deal with, but he is largely a victim of his own policies. His solutions are driving up inflation, not solving the problem. Uh, the Federal Reserve's uh, inflation gauge actually hit a 40-year high uh, over the uh, that was announced uh, this this week. His energy policy is going to drive prices higher. And a couple of things. Well, he's that, blaming the oil companies now, right? And well, he's, he's also asking Venezuela and Iran to help us. Is that correct? Yes. And you can't get oil out of Venezuela right now. And when you do, it's it's way too heavy for what we need to be processing. We have had a seven, eight year gap in investment in oil and gas production globally. You just, just don't go in and turn on a spigot. We need the investment. We need a long term commitment to our energy future. And it has to include particularly natural gas, but oil as well. And this impacts food production. We are moving toward a famine economy with higher prices. Let Vicki in there. Vicki, what are your uh, folks in your district telling you? Well, a lot of what we're seeing across the nation, and there's a recent poll that was just released that, to your point, his messaging is off. Because just at the time where he is doubling down on green energy, 62% of those polls say that the way we fight this increased gas price is by producing more gas. And so that is absolutely to the chagrin of the green energy, but those in my district especially, but according to these results across America, believe that we should increase production of petroleum products. Not only that, um, it seems that more Americans are preferring to onshore jobs. So all of this global economy, there's almost like a snapback approach that's going on now to the opinion um, that we really need to onshore these factories, jobs, and and production of gas. Okay, well, I want to move on. Let's go to the most underreported story of the week, Donna. Yes, so a uh, three-judge Superior Court panel, um, two to one, ruled that felons who have not completed their debts to society can vote. They have to be out of prison, but if they still have some sort of parole or supervised uh, su supervision uh, or they have a restitution that's still owed, they can still go register to vote. Uh, so that ad would, would have added about 56,000 or so uh, uh, newly released felons into their in, onto the voting rules. Jonah, at the same time that America and Russia are fighting this proxy war potentially in Ukraine, America is also negotiating with Russia in regards to the Iran deal. Actually, Russia is negotiating for America. It's exhausting to even think about. The fact is, though, that you can have these back channels going on in one area, this rivalry going on in another area, not to mention Iran is still the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And the discussion now is, well, let's just take off the Iranian Revolutionary Guard from the terrorist list as a carrot. And what, is, what are we trying to accomplish? Where does this leave Israel? 
where does it leave the free world? I mean, Iran with is is again sponsoring terrorism that doesn't just affect Israel and democracy, the, the only democracy in the Middle East, but many of America's allies and American troops who are stationed in the Middle East. So. Iran is is no perfect uh, negotiator by any means. And does a deal just delay the inevitable? Does a deal make them closer to a bomb? I, I just what's underreported is exactly where the negotiations are and just how real this is going to be. I think it's a little bizarre, Vicky. Well. Recently, there's been a national conversation about transgender athletes and female sports, and that actually will be coming home to roost in North Carolina. The North Carolina Athletic Association just recently entered in to a memorandum of understanding with the Board of Education. Now, this was prompted by some well-intended senators like myself and McGinnis and Johnson, who took this charge ahead to make sure that this private organization that deals in our public schools has some sort of public input where they did not have one before, as evidenced by the $41 million they amassed in assets. This next week, the joint underwriting or the joint um, staff at the General Assembly are going to have a meeting to look at this memorandum of understanding. I'm sure that rule that was passed in October 2019 may come up during this meeting. Nelson. Uh, the largest drug cartels in the world are on our southern border and they're growing. Uh, the Sinaloa cartel is now the largest organized crime group in America. But the largest and most violent in the world is Jalisco New Generation. It's now challenging Sinaloa and other Mexican cartels for control of the drug trade and looking to bring their version, their style of violence to north, north to America. Uh, last year, over 100,000 people died just a drug overdoses. We've seen violence uh, Primarily increase. Primarily from fentanyl. That's true, as well as met and, and anything they can make a buck on. Uh, we've seen the violence uh, already on the increase in our urban areas, but we are not prepared for this new drug war. We're not, we don't have a national policy to fight it at the level of violence. It's going to be coming this way. And as uh, Jonah mentioned, uh, Biden is set to end uh, the Title 42 restrictions on border crossings. That will likely double the number of people making crossings this year, and that will make it far easier for cartel operatives to cross over and come to the United States. You know, and I see they have very specific uh, plans, and but not plans really, they have armies. They have armies. This is really going to be the new war, and the U.S. military needs to be, we need to be preparing our military. We may have engagements in northern Mexico. Okay, let's go to lightning round. Donna, who's up and who's down this week? I got to say up is kids on their phones. So there was a Pew study out this week uh, that said 63% of parents say their kids under age 11 are spending significantly more time online, on phones, on tablets, on uh, computers since before the pandemic, that we've created a new digital uh, generation under 10 or 11 years old, okay. where normally we think teenagers. Uh, they said that they counted that kids pick up their phone under age 11, pick up their phone more than 200 times a day. Down Academy Award ratings for sure. Uh, uh, they had the second lowest ratings uh, in the history of the show up until the whole Chris Rock, Will Smith thing. Up, Chris Rock's ticket prices. No. <laughs> uh, up is um, terrorism in Israel, the deadliest week uh, in Israel since 2006 during the Intifada. And among the 11 people killed by terrorists, two non-Jewish Ukrainians, Arab Israelis, and Druze. So, when we think about Israel and terror, it is not just Jewish victims. It is uh, an assault on free-loving people everywhere. Uh, what's down? Oh, the pollen. Oh, come on. Does anyone enjoy that here? I don't think so. Vicki, who's up and who's down this week? Well, if you're a Ted Budd fan, you're definitely filling up. Just the uh, latest 
polling results came out that he's at 32 percent, uh, Pat McCrory at 29 percent, which has been a flip and a change since the beginning of January, Civitas, where he was down. Um, now, the true down is the world economists. I mean, they're never very happy people anyways, but with the <laughs> war in Ukraine, they really are worried about a national debt crisis because emerging nations are taking on this variable rate interest debt, and as these uh, interest rates climb, that's going to affect their bottom line. No, so are we going to see a worldwide recession? Uh, that is quite possible. It may or may not affect the United States. We could be entering some stagflation okay. here. And into that, okay. uh, what's up is federal spending and new taxes. President Biden released his proposed budget this week with record new spending in it, at least nine new entitlement programs, I think I saw, and trillions in new taxes. Uh, thankfully, uh, Democrat Senator Joe Manchin has already shot down Biden's centerpiece, uh, wealth tax, which would have a, a, a real burden on capital in the U.S., which would be a, a huge problem. Down, uh, Biden's wartime trip to Europe, which was filled with gas, starting with possible NATO use of chemical weapons, then talking about U.S. troops uh, on their way into Ukraine, and then finally calling for regime change in Russia, which sent chills down the spines well, of European leaders. at this point, don't you think? I mean, there he's got to stay on script. Concerned. I mean, it's a national security issue. A lot of folks Right, and people were showing the cards that he's reading. Uh, this is an incredibly dangerous time worldwide, not just in Ukraine and, and Russia. And you, you're talking about a power that has 6,000 nuclear move. warheads. Okay, headline next week. U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee uh, has scheduled a vote for uh, the Supreme Court nominee Jackson, and I expect that she'll be confirmed. Headline next week. Well, it's either going to be Duke or UNC fighting for a national championship. So mm -hmm. half the state's going to be really excited and half the state in mourning and the NC State fans saying, what happened? Predictions? <laughs> Predictions? Uh, I, I don't know. Headline next week. <laughs> well, I can predict that in 46 Quickly. days we will have a primary election and absentee ballots are already going. 6,400 have been asked for already. Quickly, headline next Russia week. Russia takes the war to Ukraine's largest port. Okay, that great job, my friends. Hope to see you next week on Front Row. Have a great weekend. Major funding for Front Row was provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities, and by Funding for the Lightning Round provided by Body Knoll Foundation, NC Realtors, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, and Helen Lockery. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row.